Off the Ball. Find us on Twitter at Off the Ball. News Talk 106 to 108. Now you're welcome back. So we're talking tennis this hour. We're updating you in the meantime on the Premier League games. So we will start with a goal between Fulham and uh, Brighton this evening. 18 minutes gone here. Nigel Bidmead with the latest. Fulham nil, Brighton one. The goal scorer Glenn Murray a move down the right hand side. Martin Montoya the right back with a low cross. Murray trademark goal, trademark flick. Fulham nil, Brighton one. So uh, Brighton with a good start there. Fulham's uh, porous defence continues. Let's check in on uh, Huddersfield, Everton. Everton with, Everton with just two wins in their last ten. Uh, remember they're away to Huddersfield this evening. Lee starts there. It's Huddersfield Town nil, Everton 1. This is not the start that Jan Siever wanted. Third minute of his first game in charge. The ball comes to Richarlison. At the second attempt, manages to stab home past Jonas Losel. It means Everton lead Huddersfield Town by a goal to nil. There we are. So, Everton with a good start this evening. Richarlison uh, with the goal for them elsewhere. Arsenal nil, Cardiff nil. That's after 18 minutes or so. Uh, Wolves nil, West Ham nil. Dan mentioned before we uh, went to news there, Declan Rice playing for West Ham, being watched by Gareth Southgate, who's at Molyneux this evening. Nil all then between Manchester United and Burnley, just three minutes gone in that game. And uh, between Newcastle and Manchester City, Liverpool fans, Man City have taken a very early lead. Sergio Aguero with the goal for Manchester City after just one minute against Newcastle. Newcastle playing with a 5-4-1 this evening and it has not taken Manchester City long at all to break the deadlock. We can hear about it courtesy of Stephen Goldsmith. Newcastle nil, Manchester City won and the champions take less than 30 seconds to go in front here at St James's Park. Sterling put the ball into the box, Dubravka came for it, appeared to miss it and then Aguero rolled the ball into the empty net. On second inspection, David Silva lost his footing and I think he might have fouled the keeper but the ref didn't spot it. Aguero puts the visitors in the lead. Newcastle nil, Manchester City won. Yeah, there we go. So Man City started the evening four points behind Liverpool. This will be uh, an extra game played. They'll go to within a point if they see that out. A good start for them at St James's Park. Meanwhile, at Craven Cottage, it was 1-0 to Brighton. There's been another goal. Nigel Bidmead. Fulham nil, Brighton two. Glenn Murray has done it again for Brighton. He scored the first goal after three minutes. He has just added a second. The move down the right once more. And Fulham didn't get it clear. It came to Murray. He appeared to be in an offside position, but was actually onside. And he poked it past the goalkeeper. Fulham in trouble. Brighton lead 2-0. Yeah, they sure are in trouble. Fulham second from bottom as things stand. So again, 20 minutes gone in the 7.45 games. Arsenal and Cardiff nil all. Mesut Ozil captaining Arsenal this evening. It's 2-0 as we've just heard to Brighton away to Fulham. Meanwhile, Everton in poor form of late have taken a 1-0 lead courtesy of Richarlison away to Huddersfield. Nil all between Wolves and West Ham. In the 8 o'clock games, still nil all at Old Trafford. Burnley the visitors there and Man City courtesy of Aguero 1-0 up away to Newcastle. Now, Let's talk tennis and the Australian Open. Luke Jensen, pleasure to speak to you again, sir. Hello. Joe, it's always a pleasure. How are you doing, man? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Andy Murray, if we work back in chronological order, that might be the best way to do things. Andy Murray is my latest bit of news for you. I don't know if you're an Instagram man. Are you on Instagram, Luke? I am not. Well, I, from time to time, but I'm not addicted to it. What do you got? Okay, so if you were addicted to it, you would have been scrolling down your feed and you would have seen a picture of Andy Murray 
in his hospital gown on his bed, looking a little blurry-eyed, and he has had hip resurfacing surgery um, in what uh, is being reported as a final roll of the dice to save his career. He said, I now have a metal hip. I'm feeling a bit battered and bruised just now, but hopefully that will be the end of my hip pain. And uh, we'll, we're assuming he's going to try and swing a racket again. Um, and we'll, it all remains to be seen. There's no prognosis. There's no anything really beyond that information. Sports stars can take control of their own story now. He doesn't need newspapers or media to deliver the news, but that's the only news we have. So he's had hip resurfing, resurfacing surgery and um, he now has a metal hip, he says, in some shape or form. It's very interesting with that news because the doctor he was talking about uh, did Bob Bryan's uh, same exact surgery on the same hip. Um, and what's, what's ironic is Bob Bryan's back playing. He reached, I think, the quarterfinals of doubles with his brother in the main draw. So with new replacement parts, Bob Bryan's back. And I know Andy Murray was really talking uh, in depth with uh, – with Bob Bryan about how is it going? Of course, singles is more demanding physically than doubles. Bob Bryan just has to, has to really cover his side of the court. The movements are a little bit different, um, but the length of rallies is a lot longer in singles. But I am really kind of shocked with Andy going this far into it. There was two options. One, to kind of rest it and give it one last push at Wimbledon and one, one go at it as, as way out. But he's going deep dive. He went all the way in, obviously, and hopefully he will not only play at Wimbledon, but extend his career beyond. And he'll really be kind of a bionic man moving forward if he wants to continue his career past Wimbledon. I wonder if the extent of the pain he felt in Australia hastened his decision. Maybe it was a realisation that I just can't even begin to think about competing in any meaningful way at Wimbledon like this. Maybe that was part of the decision. You mentioned Bob Bryant there. How's he moving in your book? I appreciate your, what you're saying about the difference between singles and doubles, but to your eye, is he moving pretty well? He's moving very good. Again, it's just doubles, mm. and he played with power. He had the balance. I spoke to him after every match. He was talking about there is no pain. It's trusting that hip. Remember, when you're going through that process leading up to even the surgery, you lose a lot of confidence planting into the court pushing off of that joint. And so it's regaining that confidence in your body that can sustain the punishment and the weight when you have to do those, those powerful plyometric moves. So he's been really, really happy with the way it turned out. This guy has put – the surgeon they used was in New York. It actually worked on uh, the captain of the club that I work at, the Westside Tennis Club in Forest Hills where the U.S. Open used to be played. And this guy's back on the court playing exceptionally well as well as he has a hockey player in the NHL playing well. This surgeon is elite, top of his field. Okay. And I think Andy Murray is going to be really happy with the progress. Okay, well, here's hoping. Uh, let's continue to work back then in chronological order. So before we get to Osaka's win, there was Novak Djokovic on Sunday against Rafa Nadal. A straight sets victory, 6-3, 6-2, 6-3. I was in here working and I was anticipating... I would be able to watch hours four and five of this titanic uh, struggle and was quite disappointed when the thing was over so quickly. I saw a quote from uh, Pat Cash, who was working for Eurosport TV channel over in uh, Melbourne. He said, I've run into a few tennis players today and they've all said they have never seen a tennis ball 
hit like that in their lives. Djokovic can do that. It was absolutely mind-blowing tennis. So for people who didn't see Djokovic's dismantling of Nadal, talk to us. I think the biggest thing is the matchup. In sports, sometimes one guy can beat one guy, but the other guy can't beat the third guy. And, and if you look at these matchups, the doll does not fit well against Djokovic. Djokovic's best shot is his backhand down the line. What is Nadal's best shot? His forehand cross court. Well, that plays right into Djokovic's sweet spot. Mm. So all of a sudden, Nadal goes from a very powerful position. He had played dominant tennis going into that final. New tennis balls at the Australian Open this year that favored Nadal's heavy topspin ball. But Djokovic only made nine unforced errors against one of the most dominant players in the history of the game that's in Nadal's ball, the way he hits with so much topspin. He moves so well. He competes so well. But look at Djokovic on that court, Rod Laver Arena. He's 7-0 and in finals. He's won seven Australian Open. Nobody's come close to that even Federer or Nadal in that tournament, when you have that kind of talent in Djokovic, that beautiful baseline, never missed attitude, moving so well, watching him practice leading up to the tournament. The guy practices for three hours, and then he runs the stairs in the stadium, not with two legs, but jumping on one leg. He is prepared for greatness, and it showed in the finals. Is there a big difference between the U.S. Open hard court and the Australian hard court? Oh, that's a really good call. They're supposed to be designed exactly the same. The feeling is, remember, they resurface these, um, these courts every year. Yeah. So it's a brand new court every time. And depending on the speed, if you put more sand in this mix, it gets slower. The less sand in the mix, it's faster. To me, this is, the, is comparable to the U.S. Open. In years past, like when I played, the U.S. Open was always the fastest, fastest hard court. Um, on the circuit. That's the tour. That's the Grand Slam circuit. But now it's really the Australian Open. It's playing really quick. Mm. It showed throughout the, the draw. You see the big hitters, both on the men's and women's side, the attackers won. The point you made there about Nadal's best shot, that cross-court forehand going directly into Djokovic's best shot, his uh, backhand, it's a uh, Reminded me, we had Connor Nyland, uh, Irish professional tennis player in here in studio on Sunday, and he was making a similar point to you, that it is interesting with this, these, these different styles, how certain players can beat the other but not the other, and different players suit each other. So Nadal's cross-court forehand seems to uh, suit Djokovic, but Connor Nyland was making the point, one of the reasons Federer has found Nadal so difficult is he absolutely hates that uh, cross-court forehand going in high to his backhand. Yeah, and you could see right away when Nadal has that thing going, it's fantastic. But when you run into Djokovic, when Nadal is from in his forehand corner, rips it cross court, he exposes his backhand side. And that's where Nadal's favorite shot goes deep in the corner. And also when you're watching the replays, when you watch those two play, Nadal hits the ball a lot shorter. So he's playing more defense. When you watch Djokovic, the genius to him is that all of his ground strokes – not only are they steady, but they're well-placed deep in the backcourt. Mm. So there's no way to take offense. You can take control of a point against Djokovic because you're always on your heels hitting his deep ball. But when you're playing Nadal, Nadal hits the ball short. You can step in and really drive and take, 
take control of the point. Yeah, it's been very noticeable as well. It's been a rivalry of two halves in that they faced each other 53 times, which is more than any other in the big four. Uh, Djokovic leads now 28 to 25, still pretty tight. But the first half of the rivalry was completely dominated by Nadal. He led 16-7 by the time they got to the 2010 season. Uh, since 2010, of their 16 matches, Djokovic has won 13. Why that level of dominance over the last eight, nine years? I think the biggest thing, he's matured. Djokovic was the complete player, could do it, especially off the return. He was known as one of the biggest returners, best returners of all time. He just doesn't miss those returns. And Nadal, you know, he's got that left-handed serve that's also really tricky. It's not a flamethrower. He doesn't throw a lot of heat behind it, but he sets up his second shot because he pulls you off the court in the ad, in the ad court extremely well. I think the biggest thing when you look at that rivalry is mentally Djokovic has come through a tough patch. Remember last year at this time, we were talking, is Djokovic ever going to be back? Mm. And he kind of gets his footing again, wins Wimbledon out of nowhere, wins the U.S. Open, and now with this Australian, the man has an unbelievable opportunity to win the French and hold all four. You know, we called it the Serena or the Tiger Slam, where you hold all four majors at the same time. That's an incredible thing. And, and if you look at the way Djokovic is set up, he can do it on clay. You know, you look at Federer, he's only won one French. He's a better fast court player. If you look at Nadal, he's won 11 Frenches. He's a better slow court player. If you look at Djokovic's rank, he kind of can do it on every surface. Yeah. He can do it at the French. He can do it on, on fast courts. I am really impressed with him. And the race within the race, Joe, yeah. is Djokovic has 15 majors. He's at number three. You got you got Nadal at 17 at number two, and there's Federer on fumes right now. Mm. He's at the end of his career, and he can't quit because he's protecting that lead. Mm. He just can't let these other two pass him. Yeah, the game within the game is fascinating. Um, and interestingly, Djokovic was asked about the prospect of doing the Serena Slam or the Tiger Slam and holding all four. And he said, yeah, you know, look, I've done it already. So it doesn't, um, it doesn't frighten him. So, you know, he's, he's, he's done remarkable things in the game. I mean, of the game within the game, uh, Federer being in the clubhouse with 20 looks a lot better to me than Djokovic's 15. I appreciate Djokovic's 31 and could dominate for the next two, three years. But you would still make Federer the firm favourite when all three have retired to be on top of the pile, or would you? Joe, I wouldn't. I, I think in the end, I think you're looking at Roger Federer kind of you know, running out his string, trying his very best just to squeeze maybe one more Wimbledon, maybe in a, you know, a, a, a U.S. Open in there somewhere because the Australian's playing faster, maybe an Aussie, but he's running out of gas. And... Nadal's not going to lose on clay. I mean, he's just not. He's he's 11-0 in French Open finals. Mm. He's just a killer on that court. 11 majors just at the French alone. Then you've got Djokovic. I mean, is anyone playing better maybe in the history of the game? The guy just doesn't miss, and he can go forever like the Energizer Bunny. I think in the end, Nadal is five years younger than than Federer. I think he's going he's gonna to catch 20, but in the end... That 31-year-old, that youngster who's coming on strong late in the charge, I think he'll end up probably with like 21, 22, maybe 23. There's just nobody out there that can touch him. Nobody, not a youngster. There are talents, but nobody's touching him. 
I must say this upsets me, Luke. This news upsets me. I'm, I'm sorry, but he, I mean, he's won the last three. And as long as he, he's got his family life straightened out now, if you follow the sport at all, you know, you're an Insta guy. You know, he's, he's had some personal yeah. problems that really kind of derailed him for a little while. But now he's back. No, he's, he's healthy and he's a mature champion. That's a very dangerous thing if you're Federer in the clubhouse just hoping somebody can just fall into the pond. Yeah, it's a fascinating um, few years ahead. So that will basically be two, two and a half, if not three generations of tennis players coming through that this big four, well, really, it's a big three with all due respect to Andy Murray. But um, the guts of three generations they've seen off. You know, nobody's going to come and really take their mantle. They're just going to get old and retire. It's an extraordinary thing. Yeah, you, I really thought Zverev was going to do something with Lendl, coaching him now in his corner, what Lendl did with Andy Murray, getting Murray over the hump. I think that's still a real threat out there, but it, mentally still Zverev is too young. Dominic Thiem has exceptionally reached the finals of the French Open last year. This uh, Tiafo from the United States, he's a physical machine like LeBron James. There are, there are opportunities out there, but they're just not better tennis players. They're yeah. just better. Those three... And unfortunately, Andy physically is in, in doubt right now. But those three are just better. They just are. Mm. And if you get through Federer, look at Sissipas. That guy can play. He beat Roger Federer in a great match. And then he can't hold, can't do anything against Nadal. Mm. You've got to go through two of those, maybe three of those guys. That's tough. And before we get to Naomi Saka, then finally, is there any Malcolm Gladwell-esque rationale as to why we've seen the three greatest tennis players of all time statistically uh, playing in the same generation give or take the only thing i would say is the people they looked up to you know as they were you know getting into the game you know roger i'll start with roger fetter he followed pete sampras sampras was the ultimate champion the way he trained the way he played under pressure they had Agassi in that group. And obviously, Djokovic followed a lot of Agassi. You can see that in his game. Nadal, I think he just came from another universe. He's an alien. Nobody played with as much spin. Nobody would have hit a forehand with that follow-through. I just think we will never see three. And then what Andy Murray did, I just don't want to leave him off the sure. docket. The, those four changed the game. Look what Andy did for British tennis, winning a Davis Cup, winning two Wimbledon winning the Olympics, the London Olympics at Wimbledon, a gold medal, did it twice. Mm. I, I just think we will never see that ever again. So Naomi Osaka then, 7-6, uh, 5-7, 6-4, she beat Petra Kvitova. Um, you know, I must say Serena Williams is a tantrum, and in my opinion, it was nothing more than that. Uh, we can talk about that another time. But her tantrum completely overshadowed the US Open win. Um, and now Osaka has come along. She's become the first uh, female player since Jennifer Capriati in 2001 to win her first two major titles back to back. So she made the breakthrough and then her next Grand Slam, she has won it. That hasn't happened in 18 years. Um, just a clip of her here because people may not be overly familiar with Osaka. She's not um, like your typical superstar who loves the limelight, but there is a star quality to her, maybe all the more so for that. And here's just some of her musings, a few different questions put together in her uh, post-Australian win press conference. Have a listen. I still feel very shocked. Like, I, 
I, I don't, like, I felt like the match wasn't completely done, but it was done, you know? Um, and it's one of those moments where you just, you're fighting so hard, and when it's finally over, you just, you're still in this state of, like, competitiveness. I don't know, like, I just felt like I didn't want to have any regrets. I, I think that if I didn't regroup after the second set, then um, I would have looked back on this match and probably cried or something, so. I forgot to smile. <laughs> I was told to smile and I didn't. I was panicking. Um, yeah, that was, I'm gonna be thinking about that for the rest of today. People were talking about um, being number one if I win this tournament and um, I was able to accomplish that, but the ranking was never my real goal. It was just to win this tournament. Maybe if I see my sister, you know, I can be like, guess who's the number one tennis player? <laughs> Me, <laughs> you know. I mean, if you can't brag to your sister about being world number one, what's the point? Um, so, Osaka then. Talk to us about Osaka, Luke. Well, I think the biggest thing is, it's so neat she mentions her sister. And I, I had a lot of players that played against her um, a few years ago. And, and when she was coming up, her, her bigger sister, her older sister, was really the better player. Naomi was this beautiful talent, and she was just kind of aloof and shy and, and exactly what you see. I think she's a new kind of champion. She's very humble. She's very much you know, a very respectful Japanese-cultured athlete. They're not talking about themselves in the first person. They're not talking about their brand. And to me, I've always found that she wanted to be a tennis player. That's all. Mm. She didn't want to be, you know, a movie star. She didn't want to do commercials. Like you said, her goal wasn't to be number one. It was just to go out and win a tennis tournament. And everything comes after that. And I think it's so refreshing in a world of, you know, social platforms and all this attention that she can keep in perspective. I think we're looking at a very dangerous competitor mentally, She's put together. You mentioned the U.S. Open final. This girl squandered in the second set a triple match point opportunity. Yeah. And at 21 years old, was able to hold it together while she served for it. And it's raining and they're closing the roof and keep her wits about her. Yeah, It is fantastic. Just what Kipling says when you walk on the center court Wimbledon. When everything's going bad, when the champions keep everything together, can hold it all together. It's fantastic. And she did it against a two-time Wimbledon champion in Kvitova, an experienced um, player. She was born in Japan, Osaka, raised in the US, Japanese mother and a Haitian father. So she's going to be the first player in the history of the game, male or female, from Japan to reach world number one. Uh, this is with the Tokyo Olympics around the corner as well. You can imagine if she doesn't like superstardom, she better get used to it because she's going to be the face of that Olympics in some respects. I was reading... Um, she doesn't look like a, like physically she's not uh, huge, but she's got uh, her forehand, one of the few in the women's game to have clocked it at over 100 miles per hour. So clearly her technique is fairly sound. Timing is very good. When I, I look at our thing, it's some of the, the timing players. Like if you remember Lindsay Davenport, you mentioned Jennifer Capriati, pure strikers of the ball. I think she's, it starts with, to me, the, the mental makeup. She's very focused. And then you see the big serve and always look at her second serve. Her and Serena have two of the best second serves in the game. They're able to move it around, keep it away from their opponent's weapons. And I think the difference here with Osaka right now is that, like, Kvitova is a real offensive player. 
Serena's a very offensive player, but they don't play defense as well. Serena used to, but she doesn't move as well anymore uh, the way she used to, whereas Osaka can get herself in the jams. Think about the U.S. Open against Serena, the finals of the Australian Open against Kvitova, where she Osaka had to play a lot of defense, and she was very, uh, very effective doing it. Mm. So you, um, when you talk about knowing... Osaka's sister growing up as well and, and seeing her growing up. Was that just around the Florida area or was that more in college or wh- where did you come no, across her? No, that just did. Like the, well, those two guys, I mean, th- those two uh, stars, they traveled and played the circuit as soon as they were allowed to according to uh, tour rules and uh, International Tennis Federation rules. I mean, 13-14, they basically took the Williams sisters model, right. did not play junior tennis and said, you know what? We're going for it. And the more pro tennis we play, the more experience we get. And Naomi was always like this shining talent, but she was kind of like always in the shadow of Big Sister. Big Sister was always kind of out front, but they played doubles together. They were constantly practicing. There were court rats out there. It's just unbelievable to see someone like that who sacrificed so much. Right. They're always the first to the court. They're always the last to leave. It, just, it was just within them, and it was never – pushed by the dad the dad can't even watch the matches you don't see him in the box he's roaming the if you really want to see dad during your matches he's he's circling circling the stadium because he he can't stay and watch okay fascinating because I, I was as you were talking about them going straight on the circuit a la the williams sisters i was going to ask is there a pushy richard williams in here but that's very so who pushed them well i just think they pushed themselves he gave you know the parents gave them a tremendous opportunity to do it i i, I just you hear it in the way she speaks and the way, you know, you see her in the players lounge and walking around the courts and everything. She is very humble. Mm. This is a very simple family. That's very, very grateful for the opportunity. And with so many people that don't make it, I mean, she could tell you the number of players that she had to climb over to get to this spot. And now she's, she's the very best. She's number one with two slams in her pocket at just 21. And like you said, with the Tokyo Olympics, holy cow. Talking about a tsunami mm. of awesome. That's going to be absolutely incredible watching her, how she's handled the success since the U.S. Open, and it's only going to intensify. Uh, listen, as usual, every answer just full of so much information. It's great talking to you, Luke. Thanks a million. Anytime, Big Joe. Off the Ball. Find us on Twitter at Off the Ball. News Talk 106 to 108.